0: Welcome to today's trading panel on quick tips to get past your trading issues, and of course, because we have such a great trading panel with Morad Asgar and Josh Schuler, we're going to talk a little bit about market profile. Because why not when you have two of the best? In the biz to talk about that, uh, this podcast is sponsored by EdgeClear. Diversify your trading business with EdgeQX. EdgeClear offers a fully automated and fully transparent quantitative trading program. EdgeClear is excited to offer to their members this new automated trading strategy with full transparency to you, the trader. Quant trading has never looked better. More details at EdgeClear.com/slash-edge.
1: What we're providing here, these eight steps are bringing you back to the absolute basics. At the end of the day, we are, it's all about process, right? Because uh, as great as Josh is with market profile, as great as you are with the ultra bonds and whatever you're putting out there, whatever you're trading, it all boils down. you know greatness comes from uh, process and a little bit of luck or a lot of luck and a little bit of process one or the other. and and so that the the most important thing is just to establish a routine that you repeat. And the idea is it becomes, and I can't emphasize this enough, enough, it just becomes second nature to see something, do something, get keep your hands off, let the market play out what it's going to play out, record it, see something, do something. And that's really where greatness comes from. Greatness is not, you know, when Michael Jordan takes a jump shot, he's not thinking, okay, I need to post up, I got to have my elbow tucked in. I got. He's not doing any of that. He's just taking the shot. And that's, as traders, that's really the key thing we're aspiring to do. So you create a structure, market profile is great for that. You create a structure, you create a process. Here's how I'm gonna do my homework. It's great, by the way, to do a video of your homework process, even though nobody's gonna watch it, like uh, Josh does these videos, these reviews on the weekends. Uh, you, tr- I do a trader bite every morning. That's just process. Now, all we're waiting for is that cue from the market to, that says, oh, there it is, now I execute. And then the next thing is to, to know and understand that you cannot control what happens next. So the first line here, establish and follow a very clear process. And I have to say, regrettably, that most traders fail at step number one. They just, they're so caught up with finding indicators and who makes money and who doesn't that they don't have an established process for themselves. A unique, as unique as the fit of your shoe after you break it in, a very unique process that you follow, but it can come from Josh, from me, from Delhi, from Pax, from all these people. You can pick up bits and pieces here and there, but ultimately you have to make it your own. What do you think, Josh?
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would suggest that the process starts uh, is also informed by an understanding of just the whole market and auction process. And I mean, my I, I don't know about you guys, but my findings have been in having conversations with, with developing traders that the, the ease of access to lots of great tools that are out there that um, seem to give insight in the vacuum of understanding this industry, is a feedback loop that, that thwarts the process and, uh, thwarts uh, getting the value out of it. That makes sense.
1: Yes. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I see that all the time.
2: Like I, know, I was thinking the other day, how like, you know, the, and I, have talked to PAX about this and I think Deli, you and I talked about it before, but the, the be, like the benefit of being on the floor and being able to see other traders and see them respond to the auction, as it's going and you know, listening to the noise increase and 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 knowing, oh, that guy, when when <laughs> whenever he does stuff, I don't want to do it. Cause he just like, you know, chooses cuticles and like loses money. And that guy doesn't do anything until he like waits. And then every time he goes in, everybody else follows him. Um, like that, that kind of stuff you could see, you know, on the floor or if you're, you know, with a, a prop desk, you know, with other guys in the room that you can lean on, but in the in the vacuum of the developing trader, it's really, really hard to suss out a process
0: yeah, no doubt. I think that when you visually see how people conduct their trading business, you you learn so much from it. And, you know one of the things I want to talk about is how you guys, well, you talk about this more, and it's really number one and they establish and follow a very clear process. One of the things I admire about Josh, who I think is probably one of the most underfollowed people on Twitter. You guys should go and follow him right away because he's fantastic. I've had a chance to talk with him many times over the years. I love your work. And pretty much everybody that's come through, your stuff always says to me bring him back on more and more they've learned so much because you do that first step you establish and follow a very clear process um how do I guess when when you just because you have a process and you have something that's very you know tactically and you know it's it, it works very well in in terms of maybe you know the way that you set up your trading process right but you still are going to get into this position where you have to go in and execute it right more you and i have done whole shows on execution right mm-hmm. so how do you everyone says just follow the process right how do you identify that you've that you've created this clear process and actually that's just what you should be following because i think that that is such a, a difficult thing to understand as a trader because some people will just blindly uh, blindly follow processes but they don't really necessarily know if that process it works um, so how do they so they don't really can't identify their issues as well, right? So how mm-hmm. h- how do you identify that you have put together a clear process that you really should just follow?
2: That's a I'll take a stab at that. I mean, that, that's a great question. It's hard. <laughs> it, well, it, it is, it is, it's is hard. It's that feedback of the vacuum is there and the fact that we're we're pattern recognizing animals. So, you know, it doesn't take long uh, for to spend much time with the Marcus to, to believe that you're seeing patterns that you could lean on that 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 becomes your process right like I, I was just corresponding with a a guy yesterday he's like man, i've got a plan i've got my execution like it's it's all in set and he's sharing thankful i mean he's, he's he was uh very transparent in sharing you know kind of what his process looks like and i can look at it and go wow uh there is a whole bunch of stuff missing here um He's, he's definitely discerned some patterns of behavior, but they're, I mean, how he, what he doesn't have is he doesn't have like, how much can I lean on that? Um, what time of day is the best place to find that behavior and lean on it? What are there specific prices where if that behavior shows up, that that would be better than others, um, that without a, a big data set of, uh, measured auction behavior, it's really hard to, to. To see as this is something that I can lean on that becomes my process versus um, just just patterns that I saw that may or may not have paid me. And then that's also the, the other dangerous part is if it has paid you, then the brain immediately locks in on that and then wants to go find that pattern every other time. And then when when it doesn't roll out in success, the feedback loop there is, well, I just need to be more disciplined and wait for that thing. But that's leaning on the assumption that the thing that you're making decisions on has validity to begin with. Exactly. And it may not, <laughs> you know, like the classic story I always tell guys is uh, like when I got started and I got started in 08, 09. Um, and I, I think it was probably 2010, 2011 I bought a, a $50 call on Netflix, like the day of earnings. And, and the next day it was 1200 bucks. Um, and so like, what did I do? Like the next earnings, right? I didn't know which way it was gonna go. So I'm gonna, buy, I'm, I'm gonna buy a $50 call and put. And it was after I would lost $650 consistently, I started to go, hey, maybe, maybe I don't understand this. And, and what it was really is I didn't understand option pricing. Like I bought the one black swan and immediately logged in. It like, well, that's all I gotta do. And one of these is gonna hit put or call. I just don't know which one and but didn't understand how options were priced and that the probability of getting anything on an out of the money putter call was like you know nine uh nine, nine, nines, whatever um so like it's it's that it's that kind of uh background and foundation that if that's not in place the process gets really hard and then when when the other part that you know we've seen is guys rush to go in and trading live not understanding how that is impacting their brain and the way that they think. Because, it, you know, it's like uh, we, we talk to our team all the time. It's like getting paid for the trade that you should be getting paid for and, and not getting paid for the trade you shouldn't get paid for. Because if I get paid for a trade that had a poor process or wasn't according to the playbook, then that's going to reinforce doing the things that I shouldn't do just because of that dopamine off of that quick p and
1: yeah. So what you did there is you uh, pulled off a Wall Street bets long call. You <laughs> hodled and you had diamond hands and got paid. And then you had paper hands for the rest of it. Let's just yeah. uh, to bring it to the to the young ones here. But, you know, the, the question of, you know, is there what's my process? Uh, 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 is it is it really paying me? There's a quadrant that I that I create, and I think, um, thinking in bets or somebody brought this up as a concept is the the following the process getting paid, following the process not getting paid. That's in the upper quadrant. Mm-hmm. Not following the process and getting paid that mm-hmm. that's a very terrible spot to be, and that's yes. very common for somebody who's new to trading to not mm-hmm. have or follow a process and still get paid. That's what happened with that Netflix trade, and then yep. not following a process and not getting paid. That reinforces itself. We want to mm-hmm. be in the upper quadrant where we follow a process and whether we get paid or not on this next trade, it's hard to do, but it really isn't a concern. It's not a concern. It shouldn't be a concern. Let the market over a set of, a large enough set of samples eke out your edge most people follow uh, spend a lot of time working out what their edge should be i'm going to follow this guy that guy to try to gain their edge there's so much edge out there in my opinion uh and we see people do it in a simulator all the time if you're not just swinging thousand lots and playing around if you're following a process generally people make money and then they take that exact same process and do it live and they lose money and so the problem is in between your ears generally. It's not really in the process. But the, the question that has to be asked is this why, why should the market pay me? That's really the bottom line question for, for when it comes to process. Like I'm going to take a long in the middle of a choppy day in the middle of balance why should i get paid you probably shouldn't it could go up it could go down it's really random there has to be some sort of a some sort of an edge in the form of it's mispriced it's either too expensive it's too cheap and that's where market profile volume profiling does a great job of showing you where that might be in a specific time frame so pro- knowing or not knowing process is a trial and error um, exercise. But really, you have to start there. I don't think you have a choice.
0: You know, Maura, that brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about, which I think you know, it fills right into where you're talking about here. And we go talking about organizing market information in as simple and consistent way as possible. Minimize analysis in real time. This allows us, if we can achieve this, right, allows us to really be self-aware and understand what is really the issue, right? Because I think that one of the hardest things for traders, as we talk about this topic today, tips to get past your trading issues is, I don't know that they can truly identify it. That's why I kind of started out like that with Josh, because I think that they do have too much going on or they're blindly following something that they don't necessarily know how it works. So therefore they are unable to analyze the situation and ask the question that I've always asked myself anytime something's gone wrong for me, is it me? Is it the market environment or is it my strategy? And I usually can tell by looking at that because if I saw something that I know I normally would make money on and I didn't, it's because of me. Is the market just chopping around a level and I'm trying to force it? Then maybe it's a combination of market environment and me or is my strategy just not working that well lately and I just need to remove myself from this type of environment, but you only can do that if you have exactly what you said here in number two, organize market information in as simple as consistent way as possible. But how do you do that? Josh. Maybe we we'll go to Josh first.
2: Uh, okay, I mean, I, I'd give the, the shortcut and this is, so we haven't, I don't think we had a chance to talk about this, but so I did about 167 30 minute one-on-one free consults between January and May. Because he's trying to figure out what people were thinking about coming out of uh, the Davey Day, Davey Day Trader era, um, which, which, which by the way, if you have not found the video watching his like his journey, it's. It, the it's, Wall
0: Street best put that out. That was I really laughed at that. That was pretty funny. I,
2: I mean, I, I feel bad and I don't feel bad. Like, it's great. But um, so. So, you know, for me, I, I think where, where that's the, the process starts is understanding there's four behaviors in an auction. You know, like or i mean you can even distill it down to two right the auction at any point is either moving directionally or it's sideways call it you know in auction theory we call it imbalanced or balanced you might say it directional versus sideways or trending versus consolidating but those are kind of the two key behaviors you stop an auctioning point that's what it's doing and then you can further refine that with uh okay is this this is this a move so that'd be directional the next behavior is going to be a rest um, and then after that when you're in a consolidation, then we're going to test out of that, and then maybe another directional move. So you have to know which move or, or behavior are you in contextually. And we talk a lot about context, and and people say, "Hey, we got to understand the context," but nobody really articul- articulates what context is. So, uh, the 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 snap one for me is I I always want to know where price is relative to two other key variables. So the first one is where's the most traded price of the last week. And where's the most le- traded price of the last month? And the reason for that is that you find about three, I'm sorry, about nine orientations between those three variables. And for people who are looking, especially to express in a day time frame, uh, that keeps the context grounded so that you kind of know what you're looking to do. Why five days or or twenty days or you know a week or a month is because uh, you know all these markets have a feedback loop of you know uh, participant and dealer that is shown in the composite profiles based on weekly and monthly expiring options. So that, that can help us know where those kind of key inventory prices are and then where the auction's likely to go if and when it moves away from those. So like that's kind of the base, that also helps me know like which, which of those behaviors am I in. So like last week, for example, after OPEX, you know, we ramped higher and we've continued to ramp higher in the equities since then. The price that we moved from was the most traded price of the last five days and, and the last twenty days? They were all in agreement, and the auction looked a little bit below that and then blasted over that. So, as soon, as soon as we got above those prices, with tempo and direction like that was the price to defend. And then now, you know, we're we're now starting to work out kind of the next evolution of that. We are in the move phase, and now we're kind of looking to try to establish some rest as we go through these earning cycles. So, like knowing that as a as a baseline helps, you know, kind of set that, that framework.
0: More, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I mean, look, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what your process is and how you organize it. It, it. I found over the years, just backing traders who had a very expensive charting package that they never looked at or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is just make it so that it's not – you're not sitting here going, ah, let me pop a trend line on this and see what that's doing. Oh, let me use a regression today. Oh, this looks like yeah. it's doing this. Let me let me just – this guy, Josh, was talking about profiles. Let me put a profile, profile on here. Oh, this is the most traded price. Let me go trade that. You want to avoid that. You don't want to do the analysis in real time. You want to come in prepared for – if it doesn't do this, it's likely to do that. My position mm-hmm. is to get in here on a pullback to go here. And that, that's what I cover in the trader byte. This is what we talk about all day in convergent trading. It's really that's what it is. If your process is, hey, if the NASDAQ is strong today, I'm just gonna buy pullbacks in EES. I don't recommend interproduct, inter uh, intercommodity trading. But that if that's your process, over time, this big a uh, pattern recognition machine that's in our head tends to find a way to make money in that in my opinion uh, but as long as you just stick with your process and, and the issue that traders have here is the the trading issue that we're looking to overcome with point number two here is the relearning of the S-curve the the repetition of let me try this. Oh, that made money. It's great. I broke through. No, it's not working anymore. Let me try this. Let me go look at this guy. Let me look at this book. Yeah. That, pro- that You're just putting yourself through a learning curve over and over and over, so there's no mastery in the process. So stick with the process, and don't try to get smart in the middle of a trade. It doesn't
2: work.
0: One thing I want to pick your brain about, Morad, and we'll talk with Josh as well about this, is in my mind, it's always about, putting together a set of indicators on a chart where I don't have redundancy in the same indicators, right? So I like to look at a Bollinger Band. I have support and resistance level. I have a VWAP and I have an RSI. I see a lot of people that have the RSI and the MACD, very similar indicators, right? Then you have, you know, Bollinger Bands and then they have the, the maybe the VWAP uh, Bands as well. They have all these things that when they look at it, it's, Un, they're unable to assess what's happening in the market in real time, going back to what we talked about, because they have not organized it. I think it goes as far as color coding. I think it is redundancy and indicators where you have an indicator that does a lot of them do the same things. Right. And putting together something that is where in the moment you could say, OK, I have this overall look of the market. I can assess what's actually happening. I don't know what you think about that. I know when I look at your charts, I know exactly what you're looking at cuz I've been watching your trader buy for years, but
1: there's an organization to that. Yeah, uh it, I I I too, you know, having a uh, an RSI, a CCI, and a MACD stacked on top of each other and reading one but not the other, but this one is moving to 80%, so I'm going to pay attention to that. Correct. You're kind of reinforcing the same information that's true for me it's purely the auction so I my process is is really look look to market profile for the big picture like when I go way out I don't use volume profile anymore I look at I look at TPO charts I look at market profile mm-hmm. then when I bring it closer in and I need that refinement I look at volume profiling then I'm looking at price action to, to feed that. So not only how the information is organized, but classic support resistance. Uh, you know, we pushed through, we broke through, so resistance became support, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. And, and, and that's it. And you look on my chart, you'll find those pieces and you'll find VWAP for the session, VWAP for the RTH session and MID, and that's it. And I'm relying on, on those pieces. I don't want to have anything on my chart that is not part of the decision making process. Cause all no, that's going to do is confuse the heck out of me because it's going to be off when everything else tells me to go long. This one is saying no, go short. And I don't know what to do. I don't need that. I need some very clear, you know, indications as to what are we trending? Are we not? Should I be looking long bias? Should I be short or should I keep my hand off the mouse? That's it. That's all I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, pick a path and stick with it. That's how you're able to identify what your trading issues are, identifying the things that Morad's talking about. Now, let's go back to Josh about the auction, right? And, and the, some other things that you put in here, Morad. Um, and also, I, I know some people, I actually got a, a DM on Twitter where somebody asked me if we could actually give everybody this document when we're done. So maybe you and I, I could put this Absolutely. in the post and people could download that. And so thank you for asking that question i think it's really good um so one of the things that you talk about at number three and four is a higher time frame chart to set your bias you just talked about that in location and then move to a lower time frame to find your spot and define risk you know josh i've looked at you and more over the years you guys use the auction not just for intraday trading you look at things on a much bigger scale then you take it down talk to us about how maybe you could use the auction use the market profile to help identify What's happening on the larger time frame and help you get better at
2: executing on the shorter one. Yeah. So, so two two key ideas around looking at organizing, you know, market profile or volume profile. Um, I'd love to have a debate at some point about whether time is more important than volume. Um, I think I'll win. Man. But um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I I, I, I use both. Um, I, I think the market profile allows us to see structure. Um, you know, the volume allows us to see you know the actual transition. However, there's there's expectations of how the auction will behave. So we have we have a a, a belief in how the auction will behave when it encounters prior inventory. So like a build out a peak in the in the profile would be an area where we've we've you know found some fair value around it. And there there are uh you know nodes that you know quote unquote nodes or inventory prices prices that develop in a daytime frame and there are ones that are relative over number of of frames. in fact i mean like morad was one of the ones that i think you were the first person that introduced me to the idea of a composite inventory um which was like i mean that was that was a game changer um really real quick how is me, the composite inventory i don't even know what that is so so thinking about like you know I when i talk about like a five-day volume point control that's looking at you know where's not just where's today's auction finding value but where is it finding value relative to what's happened over you know, a period of time where have have been balancing ranges. Yeah, just like that. Got it.
1: Yesterday is right? so A perfect like, so like, example of this. Uh, yesterday, we moved from this big composite. We've been balancing, chopping back and forth. We break out. We break out two days ago away from the lower balance. And then what happens yesterday? We open at the low. There was no interest in selling at the open. This is I can't tell you how how important that indication is that there's no interest on the open to come back to where balance was here over the last few sessions around 3760 or so, 3770. Market has no interest in going back there. So yeah. the only way is up now. And then mm-hmm. as soon as it moves up, where does it go? Here's, here's a few days worth of balance here, the 18th to like the 21st or something like that. And the point of control where, where Josh is talking about market having so much inventory at a price, that's what we call the point of control. That point of control was 37, uh, 38.75.50. Yesterday's mm-hmm. high where the market just stalled out was 38.74 and a quarter. That's not a coincidence. It moved right into, hey, we loved this price a while ago. A bunch of stuff happened that caused us to price the market down. Now things are looking up. Where do we go? We go right back to where we were balancing. Where am I expecting the market to go next if it breaks away from here? The next composite balance, the point of control, 39.49. This yeah. is simple. So this is market profile looking at the bigger picture so that you can get context of what's actually happening. And the market is one time framing up. You can see each day has a higher low. This is a market that's trending up, and you want to wait, continue to trade from that direction until the market is not able to trend up anymore. It's, I know it seems simple. It's not easy, but you're really simplifying the process and that hits on point number one, two, three, and four, you know, yeah. of this, of this sheet as an example.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that understanding where those areas are and that the, the auction, if it moves from one, the most likely destination is the other one. Like it's like it pull you know, breaks the gravity of one and moves the other. Now there's, there's auction mechanics behind that in terms of that feedback loop of, you know, uh, options and where they expire and where were those, you know, prices that they were hedged against that. That's why, that's why the closer you get to those references, the more they suck you up. Um, you know, in addition to market memory around that, but that's, that's golden. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I know we're going to take a quick break here because we have some stuff to give away here more but before I do that, I just want to ask you guys both something. I mean, I know both of you guys use market profile volume pro- profile and I know i've talked about this before in the shows and we're, we're obviously implementing this today and tips to get past your trading issues and not not everyone here maybe uses them but i think maybe just a quick maybe 30 seconds from each of you on how i know it's probably going to be difficult to do that in that time but how um, market profile has allowed you to like you said morad establish a very clear process basically one two three and four organize market information keep a higher time frame and then move to a lower time frame
1: and we'll start with you more as to how that's impacted your trading I think it's everything I think it's everything because that is the base of execution once I have those pieces and I, and that's where I'm getting confidence like trading just like swinging a golf club or hitting a tennis ball or taking a jump shot in the middle of a game is about confidence. And whatever it takes, you could use moon cycles, I don't care, whatever it takes to give you the confidence to put on the position and to just not be anxious enough that you ha- you're going to take a one tick or two tick win when it goes in your direction, that's what you should do. Now, I'm not advocating as uh, on market profile or volume profile being the, the end all be all. I support you. If I was backing you as a, as a prop trader, I'm going to support you in whatever method you use. You know, your, your Bollinger Bands, plus your VWAP, whatever you're using, Deli, if you came along and said, hey, this is how I trade, this is how I feel confident, I'm gonna say, cool, let's track it, and make sure it has an edge, and let's put money behind it. It's that simple. So this is the process for me. Yep. Josh, same question to you.
2: Yeah, so I, I believe fundamentally that auctions are driven by human behavior. And the profile helps me see how people are behaving and, and where they are relative to the, the chief metric that drives risk, like risk and oppor- or, uh, opportunity, and risk uh, and time drive auction behavior, whether it's in markets or housing markets, or art sales or, or uh, Pokemon cards, right, whatever it is. And what the profile does is it 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 organizes how participants are behaving with respect to certain prices, are they agreeing that that price has value or is somebody pushing away from that? Are they, are you at discount to that? So that helps me always know where is the herd. And then I can decide how I want to position myself relative to that.
0: Yeah, that was great. Both of you. Morad, real quick, before we take a quick uh, 20 second break, uh, tell everybody what we're giving away uh, when we get back.
1: So we are giving away for this month, we look to give away about $1,000 worth of uh, prizes and giveaways. We're giving away three 12-month 12 12 subscriptions to Masterclass, which if you have not checked this out, this is a, a really an amazing educational or continuing education tool to develop skills as a trader, as a human being, as a professional, uh they're worth about uh, 270 to 300 dollars a piece and the three winners will be able to uh will will purchase a subscription for them and then they can take all kinds of classes whatever it is you want to learn they have a master class for it that's awesome i love this i think this is so great all right everybody there's the wheel
0: wait 20 seconds and we're going to spin it and see who won <laughs>
2: Streamline your trading setup with EdgeClear, the forward-thinking broker for active traders. From our unbeatable service with an assigned broker to EdgeProX, our robust and reliable trading platform, EdgeClear offers more than transparent fees and fair prices. Designed by traders for traders, we combine the best of technology, service, and risk control. Our dedicated brokers are here to help you grow. Join Edge Clear today and elevate your trading business.
0: All right, everybody, we are back. And I wanna tell all of you, there is a link in the description. Go in there and you can click it and you could sign up for these monthly giveaways. More than I are on every month doing that. And you could learn about Edge EdgeQX. All of that is down below. Click down there in that link when you're done today. And along, uh, while we're waiting, too, while Morad's spinning the wheel, I see a bunch of you in there. We need more likes on here and more sharing uh, to this on YouTube so we can get more people in here. How great is it uh, to have Josh and Morad in here together? It's, it's so much fun. So uh, that helps us out a lot if you click the likes and, and share it. Morad, who's the
1: first winner? Sarah. Very happy that Sarah's pulled the first. We're going to pull six of these three winners three runners up in case there's an issue uh we can we were pulling sarah off the wheel so she cannot be selected again assuming it's a she never know uh wade is next real quick hide spider. i hope all i hope olaf wins one he's always in here
0: and he's got his fingers crossed he's in all all the shows we appreciate you in here too my brother
1: Maybe we'll need to create a special prize just That's um, <laughs> it's right. Just he
0: deserves it, man. Oh, we got jingle in here.
1: All right. So the three winners are Sarah Wade, J. White. Runners up: J M C L I.
0: I've always noticed a theme with these. Like, it's like one week it's like all Italians or
1: something like that. Yeah, I know. Like, last <laughs> time, last time I was like, oh, another Piazzano. <laughs> 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 there's always like a was, there's always something going on
0: with the spinning and who's winning but you Scale know thing, and, you know we've gotten so much feedback uh, about people loving these giveaways that we do you know more and his team do an absolutely amazing job that's why i highly recommend you go check out what they're doing at edge clear they're the best honestly very
1: cool so, so that's it so sarah wade j white you're going to get an email from us to claim your prize and you're going to get an email jmcli lcl sanguino and john to let you know that you're a runner-up and you have to claim your prize i think in two weeks if not one week uh you need to claim it if there's no movement we go down the list okay
0: awesome thank you guys now everybody keeps saying they want to know what i know we're here to talk about getting past your trading issues but i want to do a quick little thing uh, the two of you discussing what everyone wants to know what what is better or what do you believe is the better tool because i don't think that anything is one thing is better than another but what do you think is the better tool the market profile or the volume profile uh we'll start with you Morad. which one do you would you prefer to use
1: if you could only use one which one would you use um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't use one to, to me, you know, I came up as a market profiler. I used to actually do the, I'm going to sound really old. I'm not that old. I wasn't there with people, Peter Stadelmeyer back in the eighties, but I used to do them by hand, just put X's and figure out what it's going to do before it does it. When does the value area move and things like that. So I have really, done a lot with market profile, but then I noticed on my TT screen when we were using Xtrader Pro that they, they plotted the volume next to the, to the Dom, you know, you'd have prices, the ladder, the MD Trader is what they used to call it. And you'd, you'd have this volume and I, while I'm using market profile, I noticed that intraday when it moves to an area that has very little volume, there tends to be a quick reaction very often. And I was doing this in the DAX, Eurostox, Bund, S&P, Crude. And so I was like, what is that? So I started to apply market profile concepts to volume profile. Here's, here's where I'm gonna go with this. Market profile to, to me is great for organizing big information like days and days or multi-days it definitely is usable intraday. Many, many people do, many people do. But the volume profile to me is a tool for using shorter, uh, for, use, for use in a shorter uh, environment because it tells me the actual price. Not that a half hour, in that half hour bracket it traded in this area, generally they're correlated, volume and time are correlated. Mm-hmm. But I can see in a volume profile, how much of something it's kinda of like if i jumped on the show and said <coughs> i've got a thousand of these iphone fourteen pro maxes for five bucks i'm gonna get a lot of bids so that's a price that's really interesting but i'm gonna pull those right away and those bids will vanish there's gonna be no trading and i'm gonna keep trying these prices until i get to a price that makes sense for me as a seller it makes sense to the buyer and that's where transactions happen. So the volume profile shows you how much of price is accepted or not accepted. Whereas market profile shows here within a half hour bracket, within a half hour bar, here's kind of where the market was really interested, and here's where the market was not. So I use my volume pro, uh, market profiling to look at bigger things. It gets really clumsy to use volume profiling for say, a year or a month it requires a lot of processing it requires a really amazing piece of software and data feed so i go to market profile for that but then when i go down to the day i look at volume profile so i use both and they they're they're kind of they're both hammers they're one is one is to refine and one is to sledgehammer through something you know they have their uses josh we go to you
2: yeah amen i mean i i i, I, affirm, I, I just add to that i i I would articulate that, you know, volume profile, I use that to set out the areas, the specific prices, the area of interest, where I'm expecting a certain behavior. And I use market profile to discern the probability that that price may be in play on a given day. Um, you know, even going back to Stoudemire's work on, you know, open types and day types, uh, the, although there's not always textbook examples, there are, you know, there's five classically discerned open types and seven day types that, you know, can help me go, okay, well, based on the day type that's developed, which is only discerned through the market profile graphic, you can't see it on a volume profile. So if you're just using volume profile, you can't see it uh, on a market profile, you can, and you can go, oh, well, here's, here's the, you know, the likely, w- here's the way this is likely to play out now, um, given how the structures form seen in the market profile graphic relative to those inventory prices that I saw in the volume profile excellent Fantastic. yeah i mean
0: those are the two best best reasons i've ever heard i tell you what um let's get back to the discussion at hand today Morad. you know and this is the thing that we all go through right we're all constantly looking at what can we do to get past our trading issues we've gone through one through four second half of the show let's talk about make sure your r factor makes sense this is a key element um, uh, we've been starting with you more. Maybe we start with Josh on this one,
2: Josh, talk to us about this. Yes. Okay. This is a pet peeve. Uh, I, I might go into a little bit of a foaming rant on this one. <laughs> if, um, so a book, if, if you've not read this book, uh, it needs to be on your shelf. So one good trade by Mike Bellafore is excellent. And he articulates that, uh, you know, a and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you, ha- you have a a narrative of where the auction is going to go, and then you have a setup inside the narrative, and then a fight for price, and then that equals one good trade. Rinse and repeat. Um, and I am I am finding over and over and over and over again uh, a couple couple behaviors in developing traders or or operating paradigms. So one is is that opportunity for them represents a trigger. Uh if you want to continue to struggle in markets and continue to have issues in markets opportunity will be a trigger and what I mean by that is like you found some classically it would have been like a moving average crossover or you know you got an RSI reading that was too uh extreme and so you thought I need to take the fade off of that whatever that but that doesn't say where we're going it just says that that I'm likely to have some kind of turn, but it doesn't say where to and so when you're expressing it off of that, then what ends up happening is I hear guys say they, these arbitrary R values relative to some, you know, risks that they're going to put in there. Well, that opportunity may be a hundred points, like in terms of the target, or it may be 10 points. You have no idea. So it's completely random. Um, so I, I mean, I, I affirm the idea of having an R value that's a multiple of your risk, but setting the risk, at least for me, is always defined by the target first. So I'm identifying based on what I'm seeing in the behavior of the auction, where do I believe this auction is gonna go? What's the specific price that I'm targeting as my offset first? And then I'm gonna look for a short timeframe trigger that's gonna help me minimize the risk and make sure that risk is a uh, a fraction of what that potential target is.
1: And that makes sense. Um, I, I, you know, Our factors just to define what that is, what we've done is talked about, you know, setting up your charts and your process, and then looking at the market in the bigger time frame, then cutting down to a shorter time frame to find what what that battle point is that you're willing to engage in. You know, I call that a trigger chart. I use Order Flow for that. R factor is the thing that comes right before execution, and R factor is simply describing how many times my risk. Am I looking to get paid on this particular trade? I need to come up with that or understand what that is on a very broad stroke. Like, for example, if I see that, hey, the market's pulling back, I'm going to use a four point stop and I'm only going for four points. Cool. You can do that. That's called a one hour trade so your risk you're risking as much as you're willing to as much as you can gain on the trade the problem with that one R trade is that now your accuracy or your win percent over a large data set not this next trade but a large data set has to be relatively high to overcome commissions and costs and slippage and whatnot. so now you need to be in the sixty six percent seventy percent win rate but if I was running a, a, a momentum type fund, if you look at CTAs or hedge funds, generally their win rate win percent's like thirty five percent, thirty percent, sometimes even twenty percent. But when they catch the the breakout and the trend, they're holding it for fifty R, hundred R, whatever. They're just they're investing over nine years, you know, from the last low at hmm. six sixty six in the S and P, you know, so. Their R factor makes sense. They don't need to be that accurate, and they don't have to have a win rate. For us day traders, we have to ask ourselves, what is my target that I'm looking for versus my entry versus my stop? We have to do that quick computation, and it doesn't mean that I'm only going to take three-hour trades and therefore this and that. You really have to at some point discuss with yourself and have in your plan that I can't risk 20 points when my target, because I'm late to this move, is five points away because now you need to be correct 92% of the time to see mm-hmm. any money by the end of the month. So our factor, in my opinion and, and in my experience in, in documenting trading performance, R factor is probably the lowest hanging fruit in terms of a tip to improve your performance and get over your hangups. Is to basically say this trade is not good enough. Why? Because I'm risking two points to make a point. Let me not do that. And it'll be you'll be shocked at the number of people who will do that. They're like, just a just a quick, I'm just gonna catch a quick four ticks, you know.
2: <laughs> and now but, it's 10, 10 20 ticks against you.
1: Yeah, but the but but the market could drop 20 points uh mm-hmm. because it's got no structure to help it. So our factor is important because that's For an sure. area that you can tweak where you can what it does in essence is it filters out garbage trades that's what it does you're basically saying look i'm going to risk six points because it's kind of shifting out of balance here my target is 30 points away i'm risking six points that's a five hour trade i'm going to get in there i'm going to scale out that's going to re- reduce my r factor but in general i'm going to be better than a one r and i don't need to be that accurate on this trade so like delio often says trading entries are kind of in a zone you can't be that accurate with your entry you can't just put an entry on a line and say that's it you have to trade in a zone in real life uh and that's what this comment is about so they yeah. the worst the worst way to impact your performance is to have a poor r factor to go for four points and risk four points go for two points and risk two points it's not a sustainable game uh you need to you need to get one and a half hour better at least i would say uh and you do need to look at your target versus your stop versus your entry to figure out what the r factor is so the target is like josh is saying is absolutely instrumental to this
0: you know josh i want to talk to you about a little bit more about this because i think that this is it's such an important point right but there's also that fine line of okay do i now start looking for these wider targets that when we shift in and out of volatility, you don't know if they're going to get hit, right? So for, for me and my trading, right, a lot of times I'm scaling because of that. It's hard to identify if I have this further target that am I going to get it. You know, most of my trades, I would say, are 2 to 4R, right, to use that terminology. But not all the time am I going to get to that 4R. So if I have a 4R trade, and so I guess how do you – go about executing a strategy where you've determined that you're going to take these, like Morad said, I think you said Morad, right? The, like the lit minimal that you would even look at a one and a half, right? A one and a half hour, Morad? Yeah,
1: that's, I mean, that's basically a scalp
0: in my opinion. A scalp, right? Mm-hmm. So so I guess we'll go to both of you on this because I know a lot of people are probably thinking about this, is that, is there, how do you put something into your strategy to where if if you have that target can you still manage that trade even if it like, how do you know that that maybe you should be getting out a little bit earlier? I know we're getting a little technical now, but I think what happens is, is that when I was started to move into swing trading, maybe this will help the question better. I had these wider targets and I'd be sitting there watching it going, it ain't gonna get there, <laughs> right? You're going, man, that's, it seems so far. So now what I'm doing is I adjust my stop to that target. And now all of a sudden, I'm really always taking one hour, right? Because I've now overshot on the way that I'm, I'm managing this. Does this make sense? So mm-hmm. how do you still keep this within your realm and be a good executor by expanding that to a one and a half hour
2: or greater? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you what's, what's been helpful for me. I think it's been helpful for, for guys on our development desk is, so playbooking your trades and, and a, a playbook trade is a four question trade. Um, so whatever that trade is, if you go back and look at it, we would ask four questions of it. First was what was the what was the opportunity that you saw? Meaning, like what was the destination that you believed had a you know a reasonable chance? You could you could you could articulate uh, a rational hypothesis of why we should go to that price. So like like this morning um, trading to thirty eight fifty seven uh, es uh, that that was a that was a playbook trade for us called prior value test. It's built on the fact that we opened inside of the prior day's range. Um, that was the most trade price from yesterday It was balanced. So that becomes the, the key target, right? So, um, there's other criteria around that, but the first is that, is the opportunity where, where I believe the auction is going to go. The second would be, what am I going to risk for that? Third is how should it behave once I enter? Like you're kind of a storyteller that, uh, you know, keeps you in the trade. And then the third is, or last is, is how would I know that I'm wrong? Like what shouldn't happen? Um, yeah. and then, and then having. Uh, journaling all of your trades relative to those playbooks setups, and being able to go back and look and see, you know, how are you executing on those R factors? Now, I, I, I'm an intraday swing trader. I'm typically looking for 25% of the available range, so I'm not a scalper. Um, but you know, all of all of my playbook trades are four question trades that have, you know, I know what the target is, then I know what kind of trigger I'm looking for for that target, and then I know how it should play out and how it shouldn't play out. And then just you know rinse and repeat get lots and lots of instances to know how are you executing on those and like I, I Maura, do you guys still have an Edge Watch is that still a tool yes like that's that's an incredible tool because you can go in and you can actually uh, categorize all of your trades we've had guys go in and categorize their trades by by the specific playbooks so then we can easily pull out reports to see how their R value is relative to that
0: you know Morad, I want to go back to you because this kind of ties in five and six like execute and let go it's up to the market to decide what the outcome will be right and it sounds to me as though Josh looks at his setups in his playbook and says like this if this is a 4r or a 3r or whatever those that that is that this this is a high quality setup so I'm going to follow you know what number? uh what, what number I think what is it number um six says so I think that that's, that's an important part of it. That's kind of why I asked that question. So what you, I guess what you're saying here in number six is, are you just grading the setups or is every setup just let that go? Or are you building stuff in, in between uh, on the lower grade setups that maybe don't allow you um, to get those uh, three, four R? Maybe you just grade that as a lower setup and that is the one and a half R.
1: Is that to me or to Josh? That's to you. We got you in the big frame, baby. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. I should know. That's my cue. You're in the
0: hot seat, man.
1: It's like the red light on top of the camera on CNBC. <laughs> it looks gorgeous. Um, gorgeous. Um, I'm sorry. I lost the question at this point. So
0: so Josh explained, let's let's tie in number six and seven here, or number six, five, and six, meaning that we talked about the R, right? You said one and a half R is like a scalp, and then Josh talked about how he has his playbook and he grades them really like this is a really quality setup. And number six, you say execute and let go. So my point is, is that when you're looking for these R's, are you grading them kind of like the way that Josh is? So if you look at a setup that you're like, okay, there's a little something here. I'd like to take this trade. I will set this to a one and a half R. This is a really good setup. I'm going to set this one to a four R or,
1: or how do you overall do that to adjust the that are for those trade setups i wish i could do that unfortunately i'm constrained but what the market structure is and what the context is how much i can get out of a trade is really dictated by the market and where we are for example coming into today it was the expectation is we are likely to push to the value of that composite area that we were in and then we're likely to stall out i put in the um in the in the channel on conversion trading i said hey this this 3890 area we're starting to see them unload we could see that in the order flow so you want to back off so i'm not able to sit here and go hey this is a 6r setup therefore it's graded you know a plus plus i'm not doing that i am an advocate of grading trades. Part of our process is to grade trades, but you're grading trades on the, pr- the process that you followed, like what is the quality of your execution, but you're also tracking what the performance, not the grade of the setup is, but mm-hmm. the performance of that setup is. It's really important to say, hey, this is a setup that has performed well, and we can narrow it down to time of day, for example. This. This particular setup performs excellent, uh, you know, in the first hour, and then it goes to absolute garbage after the European <laughs> close. After you clean European close between eleven, you know, after eleven thirty, you shouldn't use it. But when it comes to our factor and execution, really, it's about look. My expectation is I'm getting long here. I can see that I have about six points to where I'm absolutely wrong on this structure. And I can see that I can get maybe 18 to 20 points on this from my entry, Re- real quick math, that's better than three R, I'll mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just keep it simple. The grading uh, is really about how well I executed, how well I followed the process, because that's the variable that is really, where when you go to troubleshoot and rough patches, and I've had, Many rough patches when you go to mm-hmm. troubleshoot, it's troubleshooting the execution, generally not the setup or the R factor. And at the end of the day, you still have to execute and have the discipline to just let go of the mouse and let the market kind of gyrate and do its thing versus what you said earlier, Deli, which is, man, I've got a target, but man, it's not going to get there. I better, I better close this up. <laughs> That's yeah. a form of an error. So we want to gr- we right. want to mark that error. That's 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 called micromanaging You made a plan you mm-hmm. had this big grand plan when you came in the market took place and then anxiety kick in kicks in and everybody has anxiety and The anxiety kicks in and we start to think we got we have more information than we did when the seas were calm and it's it's not real So execute let go let the market decide if you're going to win on this one or not, and then just kind of document, rinse, and repeat.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is why the, the most difficult thing for me as a short-term trader my entire career, trying to expand out into um, the 4R type range is was such a challenge because, and David talked about it, and I know David was saying scaling in and out for the wider targets, you need to zoom out and allow that that, that time frame that you've now put in place to work. But your mind works a certain way when you're trained i mean you know, i made a bunch of money for a lot of years you know just taking one-to-ones right and a lot of times those are ticks and when you try to un- get out of that mode it, and that's why i was kind of going back to like you like are you grading your setups or are you doing certain things and i think that this is just comes with time, right? You have to get to that point where you understand the context and nuance in the situation. You know, my, my, one of my uh, mentors, Ira Harris, taught me that. And it's just it's one of those things where you set things into place. And like you said, if all of a sudden the time of day is it, it hasn't worked by a certain amount of time or something has happened, then maybe you adjust it. But it's all done um, once again, through your research and through all all the things you put into play, we're almost out of time, and we're going to go to this last thing I think, which really ties in a lot of what we're doing, of uh, what we just talked about, and that is document what, why, and how. Find errors, set goals, um, to focus on improving that. Right, Josh. It's not. I mean, mm-hmm. I want. I mean, it, it sounds just like journaling, right? But it, it, it is a, a journaling. But mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this more at I don't think that there's an absolute right way to do this to journal, but the things that you laid out here, I think are it's important that you get to the surface of what these true trading issues are. So to tie everything back in today, if you really do want to get better, you do have to really look at your journaling in, in an honest way. And that is from what is your strategy doing? How is the true performance of it? How is my performance? And it's a, it's, it's a bunch of things. So Josh, I think we end today, and we'll have you and more both comment on this. What is the best way to document to really understand what your true trading issues are?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, so so journaling, and some people are really good at, at you know, doing all kinds of uh, detail in their journaling. I'm kind of, I, I'm I'm fairly ADHD, and I think systems that are the easiest, like the lowest bar, are the ones that I will use so you know i i just encourage guys to have a, a, a database that just says okay if i took a trade what was the name of the trade so that's where you know it's a four question trade so is it a structure cleanup is it a prior value test is it an end of day fade or end of trend day fade is it a day after trend go with like what is the what is the trade uh what was the initial target you know what was the entry price what was the time um what was the initial stop how should it you know how should it have played out how should not throw in a screenshot you know and rock and roll and then. Um, just seeing, just having that recorded and being able to look at that, you know, week after week. Especially the more instances you get in, you find out, oh, yeah, I've got that set up. I don't really make any money off of that one, <laughs> you know, like, or yeah. I take. I, you know what? When I take that one at that time of the day, it does much better than you know, like the one that I take between 9:30 uh, and 11:30 Eastern seems to work. The one between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern doesn't work. Oh, yeah, because it's at lunch and things get moved around and it's it's not as effective. So like those kind of insights are really, really helpful, just making sure that whatever you're doing in journal is something that you can go back and look at. And you don't have to do every day. Like it doesn't have to be every day, but it does have to have enough instances that you can start to see patterns of how you're showing up. And then then you're you're getting awareness about yourself that you can make adjustments.
0: Morad, we'll end with you today uh, before we close everything out. I mean, tie this all in today, Morad, right? We talked about all these different things. Everybody just so you know I will have this document um on the post uh if you go to anthonycredelli.com there will be a link in the po- in the uh, in the youtube that takes you there for you to go and download it and then i'm sure are reaching out to more or i or maybe we put this somewhere with edge clear more where people can go maybe on that deli page to get it but tie this all in today let's tie this in and say we talked about all these things but without true documentation on what is really happening with our issues we cannot fix anything and then and then we repeat this whole cycle over
1: yeah so so <clears throat> the biggest problem i've seen in the last 15 years or so that i've been out in the public versus tucked away in a in a prop shop is first there's just it's very difficult to get a process like josh said where it's just there's such information overload in the industry R- really it's simple, make it as simple as possible. Market profiling is a great way to go uh, using unrelated um, uh, indicators like uh, Delhi said is a good way to go. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. There are a billion ways to trade. So this is an important piece. Next, we just need to keep our information organized so we can keep our mind on what's what we need to do versus doing the analysis while we're in the middle of trading we don't want to start analyzing what's likely to happen while the market has just opened and we're looking to engage you know in addition to that it's like keep the big picture in mind when you're executing in the short term you know look big execute small then manage big go back to the bigger picture so you can keep you know Use that trend line or whatever got you into the trade on a bigger picture to stay in there. Then the next thing is make sure you're sizing your trade properly. Like, don't go for two ticks with a 20 point stop. That's not survivable. And that's where the R factor thing is 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 is, is uh, brought in. Execution is the make or break of this whole thing. If you have the greatest homework, the greatest PC, the biggest computer monitor, and the best looking cat on your desk, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're not going to follow your plan by executing and letting go. So getting smart after putting the trade on, closing a trade too early, that stuff is just going to interfere. Now, with regards to documenting, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this boldly. If you're not keeping at a minimum a trade log, that at least you have an ABC grade or one, two, three grade or something, or some sort of a journal, and I'm not talking about a long narrative journal. If you're not keeping a form of some sort and you're not consistent, you are not going to make it. Or you're gonna make it, but it's gonna be a hell of a lot more expense, a hell of a lot more time. Why? A journal is key to doing two things, to diagnose yourself, and a journal becomes super handy in a rough patch like Josh was mm-hmm. saying you need to go back and refer to it go back to your best days and read your journal and what that does miraculously it works for me every time it brings you back in a zone it helps you it helps you remember how things flowed and what you focused on and what the important pieces are it brings you back a journal mm-hmm. seems boring and ineffective Oh, they, I'm making notes. Oh, who cares? Where, where it becomes really effective is when you have to go back and search through the document for missed entry or FOMO trade. And you could see how many times you've done that, or to go back and align with yourself with your best days. Uh, this is where a journal uh, shines in terms of a tool set. And then just repeat this process. We'll definitely make this document available to you. We'll post it. Hopefully, You've gained one or two, at least one or two things here from Josh or Deli or I today to help get more serious and more process-oriented with your trading today. That's that's really a key element.
0: Yeah, it's everything, everybody. I, I mean, it's if you when we went over with everything on this list today and how we brought it back full circle, you understand that about um, really how to put this together and start working for you. And I can't thank Josh and Moran enough um, for coming together on the show and talking some market profile, some volume profile. We know how much everybody loves that. And we integrated that into the conversation and you listen uh, to two of the best in the business on that. I said earlier in the show, Josh needs more followers on Twitter because he's so great. And I know that he's somebody out there who's honest, he does this um, and he's just an all around good dude. So I think you definitely want to go and follow him and make sure you click on that link to participate in these giveaways that Morad and his team are doing each and every month, and so when you come back on the show next time, next month when we're back on together, you have a chance to win. And I'm hoping we could do something for Olaf. Come on, Morad, we got to figure something out. Olaf, you're the guy. Fine. You're in here every week Fine. with me. Uh, we got to figure out something for you. You're a great guy. You're always commenting. And for everybody out there, if you start coming in and commenting more and more, it helps us grow the show. It helps us bring in great guests like Josh. Moran, and I truly appreciate it, and you definitely need to go, like I said, click that link and go check out more of what they got going on at EdgeClear. And uh, that does it for today, everybody. Um, great conversation. Everybody, thank you so much for, for putting all of your comments in and dealing with our my little bumpy start. more and I never have technical issues, but we've got some new software. You saw me playing around with this today. Hopefully you guys like the new uh, look of the show because we're always here to make it better for you guys because that's, in the end, that's what It's matters. sexy. Yeah. It's almost—it's
2: almost on the the quality of, of both of your hair types.
0: Yeah, it, I
1: know. Okay, I mean, we look good today, man. Me and Morad, guys
2: look, you guys look—you guys
1: looking good, man. Looking
2: good, man. All right.
1: Well, one we'll of leave. these days we'll actually manage to to hold a show to one hour. It
2: seems like we always, we always go, go way over. over. I know. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> I was hoping that we would be on Halloween this year, Morad, where I was going to wear like a bald thing, dude. and you would wear like—and I'll wear and a we
1: a deli, a dude. That would be fun. That would have yeah, been great. Amazing.
0: Well, everybody, once again, you guys are the reason that we have this show on every week. Thank you again. Like, subscribe, follow everybody on Twitter. We will see you for this group with uh, the Edge Clear group in a month. Of course, I'll be on podcasting more uh, pretty much every day these days. So see you guys, everybody. Peace. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode, go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors.